God, we just thank you, God. We just bless your name because you are victory. You are victorious over, over everything, God, over sin and death in the grave, over all the sin that has been in our lives, God. And you, you make us new. God, we thank you for that, God. We're grateful for that. God, and we want to take that, even as the words of these songs were saying, we want to take that every day. We want to take that from here today and bless the world around us, bless the people around us. God, that your love, your victory, your life, your renewal, new life, would be seen in the lives of everyone around us, God, would be seen in our lives and affect those around us, God. God, that you would be a blessing to, to more than just the people in this room, God, that you would use us to be a blessing to all of those people we come in contact with. God, we just bless your name this morning. We look forward to what you're doing here this morning. God, we love you, God. We thank you for this time, God. I would ask anybody, I guess, uh, anybody from our ministry team, if you've got something to share, please come up, share. This morning, that song about new wine, I, as I was worshiping, my hands felt so heavy. And I was like, why do my hands feel so heavy? And I saw this huge bucket, brown bucket, that I was holding. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, that's the wine. And then I was afraid to move my hands because I didn't want to spill it. But it was like, no, it's okay. And then I saw it just pour out and just down through the streets all around Kitsap County. So. That's awesome. One more of that. All right, so same song, the, the new wine song, or the more wine song. Um, so what I, just as you move closer to the Lord, you realize that it's not about you giving, you producing, you being good enough. And as you come closer to him, there's always that invitation, come up here, come up here. And you realize that it's him that's the one who is giving and him who's the one that's filling. And so in that song, for me, what um, I heard was that he's like, as you come up higher, um, your, um, what happens is your thoughts become clearer. You, you realize you see that um, where the world has said, you know, the world says, who do you think you are? Why do you think you, what makes you think you can do that? Um, and so the world's always putting you, putting you down and making you smaller. And um, if the world had its way, it would just put you in a little box and then crush you and toss you in the garbage. But the way of the Lord is to, to open up the box, bring you out of that, build you up, clean you off, and, he, and fill you up with his presence and his power. 
And he says, this is who you always were. And so um, as we yield those um, destructive ways and destructive thoughts, he says, he says as those go, um, my wine, my new wine comes into those empty places, comes into those vac now vacant places. So as we let go of our destruction, he fills us up. And so for me, that's what I saw about the new wine is that it's more of him, more of his presence, and uh, more of that destruction, just, it just falls away. <laughs> Good morning. Kings and priests. Um, I have a shirt at home, it says, start with the impossible, and uh, I got it years ago. And uh, that's one of the things the Lord, one of the things the Lord reminds me is, is don't make the Lord small in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, we are kings and priests and we serve a big God. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's time, the Lord says it's time to get rid of small thinking and start thinking big. I don't know how many people watch, does anybody watch UFC? <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> All right, thanks buddy. You the man. Before the start of the main events, Michael Buffer comes up, and one of the things he does is he goes, it's time. It is time. It's time to make our God big. Our God bought and paid for everything. You know, he bought our sickness, our debt, our, our future finances, our kids. You know, make God big in your life. Don't settle for the small, because it is, it is time for the big. Anybody else? All right. Hi guys, I just want to keep it really short, but in that same vein, was thinking of um, all the things that have gone before, the things maybe we've lost, or those things that are, um, as we've had a harvest, and the harvest is over, and the Lord comes through, and you burn um, all of the old crops. But then he comes in, and he brings the new wine, and he brings the new harvest. I'm hearing a scripture from God's word this morning, confirming everything. And in his word, Timothy, he says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And I feel like he wants to encourage you to step out and walk in the spirit of his power, the spirit of his love, and the spirit of a sound mind. So whatever the situation is, you can step out and not be afraid anymore. Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not fear, because I'm the God of impossible. All things are impossible through our God. So you can start, this is a season, like he said, it's time. It's time to cast that fear behind you, to cast that fear aside. It's time to walk forward with boldness.
with the power of God that is inside of you because he said, I got your back. He's backing you up. So some of you got dreams. Some of you got hopes. Some of you have things in your life that you thought is impossible for you to accomplish. But I feel like he's saying, don't be afraid. Go for it. Go for it. Remember who you are in him, sons and daughters of our big God, because he is a big God. And we don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm tired of being scared. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Good, good. Anyone else? No, good stuff. Thanks, Forrest. Well, I'm going to just kind of tag on to that for a minute. So he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I just, I was going to ask you to do it, but I didn't want to make it awkward. So I'm just going to release it now. If you, if you want, if you want to break off fear and you want to receive his power, his love, and his clear thinking, soundness of thinking, just close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you. So Father, today in Jesus' mighty name, we break off the spirit of fear. We break it off. Fear has no place in this place. It has no, no grip, no handle in our lives. So we let go of it today, and we say in Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, and break off all fear. And we release, in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of power, the dunamis power, that dynamite power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We release it now in Jesus' name. Power and love. So in the place of of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of despair, of discouragement, we release the love of God in this room. Over our own lives, we receive it. We release it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Father, pour the love of Jesus into us this morning. Fill us up and overflow in us with the, with the agape love of the Father. And soundness of mind, we release soundness of mind, clear thinking. We just say, let, let our minds be elevated this morning to that higher place where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let our thoughts be raised up to that place where we are seated with him in heavenly places. And above the clouds, above the distractions of life, above the chaos that is going on around us, we lift up our eyes and we fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. Amen. <laughs> you can put your hands down if you want or leave them out. It's kind of li- I, I kind of like that posture. So while we're worshiping, I'm, this kind of just flows right with it. Um, In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out for us. Whoops. 
Where'd it go? We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith. He birthed, he released faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus counted it a joy. You were in his eye. You were in his heart when he was going to the cross. The Bible tells us he counted it as pure joy to go to the cross. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. You can know this morning, if anything else that you walk out of this room with, know that God loves you so much. His love for you is fierce. It is intense. You cannot mess this up. I promise you, you cannot mess up his love for you. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While I was doing my stuff that I mentioned briefly last week, and I won't go into it again, while I was being a dork for the devil, he loved me, and he died for me. He knew what I was going to do. He, he knows your life from beginning to end. He sees it like a book, wide open. And by the way, it is not his will for any one of those pages in that book of, called Your Life to be cut short by sickness, by death, by the devil's schemes, by his plans to come in and, and pull you off the course that God has written. I'm not saying that it, it's all just predetermined and you have no choice in the matter. We have a choice. We have a choice to step into what God is doing, to step into his momentum for our lives, to be the sons and daughters of God who are led by the Spirit of God. So hopefully we're all in that place this morning that we are stepping in to his momentum. And at any place we get a little bit off track, he has grace, not grace for you to stay out there in your sin and darkness and rebellion, but his grace empowers us it empowers us to get back on course with him. Grace is provided for us to grow in. Grace is given to us to strengthen us. Where sin abounds, and it does abound, just be my family for a minute and look at me. <laughs> I won't point to them. Where sin abounds, and you can admit it, admit it, Bremertonians, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Jesus went to the cross to deal with that issue. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It is, it is a new covenant in his blood, paid for in his own precious blood. It is done. It is indeed. You are free. So, Get on with the 
You guys doing okay? Sometimes, you know, when we're worshiping and there's just this flow, there's an anticipation in this room that God is, is always speaking to all of us. If you don't believe it and if you haven't been convinced yet, Jesus said his sheep hear his voice. They know his voice and they won't follow a stranger. You hear God all the time. Should I reword that? Maybe you're not hearing him, but he is speaking all the time. And you just need to realize and recognize his voice, the voice of the shepherd, the voice of Jesus. Okay. What are we going to (laughs) do? So this morning and last night, I really didn't know exactly where things were going to go. I didn't know if we would resume last week. Uh, There's kind of a a preparation of a, it's not really a message, it's just something that we can all walk through together in the theme of, of family, whether it's church family or natural family. The fact is that God is a, is a God about family. He is all about family. That's why he, he tells us to address him as our father, our dad. So he sees us as his sons and daughters. We are his family. I do plan on, if God will lead us into that, maybe next week we will go. Oh, actually, Smiths, are you guys on next week? Two weeks. Next week, yes. So Dave and Sharon Smith are going to they're gonna bring the word to us next week. So maybe the week after that I'll talk a little bit about, about family. It's going to come. You know, the presence of God, the church as family, and a culture of honor where the family of God sees each other in the way God honored us. He honored you by going to the cross while you were yet a sinner. He loved you that much, not counting your sins against you, seeing you and declaring you as a new creation in Christ, the old gone, the new has come. And so because of what he has done and the way he sees us, he honored us that way. And so we, in turn, get to honor one another It's not just about wives honor your husbands. It's about all of us honoring each other, recognizing that each one of us is uniquely created and fashioned in the image of God. And you carry the gold, a treasure inside of you. And there is a destiny that God has has designed for your life to become and unfold into And so it's our pleasure as believers, if we can get this, if we can get our focus off of sin and off of, because we're uncomfortable with our own sin, so then we look at other people's dirt and we're like, I don't like my own sin, so I'm going to focus on yours. Man, look how messed up she is. Man, look at that guy. Does he really think he's a Christian? Yeah. That's what we could do. But when we get it in our, our blood, when we get it in our spirit, that our sin has been dealt with. Jesus no longer sees us as sinners, but he calls us saints, holy and dearly beloved. When we, when we step into that identity and recognize that is actually who I am now, even though I mess up occasionally, because that's who I am and that's who you are, I get to no longer look at you according to the flesh, but I get to look at you according to the new nature according to the life of Jesus that's inside of you. And we get to call that out of each other. 
we get to call out the gold. That's awesome. So those are, the, the theme of family is going to be woven in and out of, of what God is building in this place. Interrupt any. I was just thinking specifically like our children and really calling out the gold in our kids. I mean, it's so easy as parents to be like, are you doing that again? When we could easily be like, you know what? I see this in you. This is how God made you, and I'm declaring this over you, and this is who you are. This is not what you're doing is not who you are. <laughs> so. Yeah. That is good. Boy, that just made me think of something that I have in my notes. Hold on. Try not to look at any of my children when I say these things. <laughs> like, you're not there. So this is, of course, our favorite guy, our favorite Brit, Graham Cook. And I just tried to pause the, the podcast and speak it into my phone and try not to mess it up because you never know what your phone will type as you're talking. It could be way different than what you're actually saying. So we don't, we don't look at the failures in our children God does not keep a record of your wrongs and your mistakes, of your failures. He celebrates your progress. And Graham said, religion, so that religious spirit, dirty religious spirit, that pharisaical mindset that says it's all about what you do and what you don't do. It's all about the rules, the list. But religion, so religion celebrates perfection, and that's why it's hard to find joy in a religious mindset. If you wonder why your joy levels are really low, maybe subconsciously, not even realizing it, you're living within a bunch of religious rules of do's and don'ts, and you feel joyless because you know you've fallen short. Maybe. I'm just saying maybe. But family celebrates progress. And we have the opportunity to rejoice in every step of the progress. We get to celebrate our moving forward, every little step, even if they're tiny steps. Even if last week or the last month I've taken about five steps back, but I'm moving forward again. You know, the, I've quoted this before. I don't even know the address. But I think it's in Proverbs. The righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. Okay? You are righteous. You are the righteousness of Christ, by the way. He has put his righteousness on you. You are righteous. That means you are a righteous woman or man. And when the righteous woman or man falls down, you get back up. Grace gives you the permission to get back up. In fact, the Bible welcomes us to come boldly before the throne of grace to find, to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. I think that's Hebrews 10 or 6, somewhere in there, maybe 4. I don't know, somewhere. Okay, you guys good? We all right? Okay, so I felt like this morning that God was just really laying in front of me 2 Corinthians, the first four chapters. So we're going to teach through it. No, I'm teasing you. You're like looking at your watches. Oh, I know how long-winded Alcorn is up there. <clears throat> he truly is a mailman. He's going to deliver <laughs> and not stop. Not going to give up delivering until it's all gone. Nothing worse than taking mail back to the station, right, Warren? Yeah, I don't like that. I like to get rid of that stuff. 
Find a dumpster somewhere. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. That would put you in prison, by the way. Okay. So I felt like 2 Corinthians, the first four chapters, had a theme that I was supposed to just kind of pick the, the highlight in each one of those four chapters. We're going to see if, this, if we'll get there. Okay. But I want to start with this. So I, I felt like the theme that God was speaking to me this week, a few days ago, including up to last night and this morning, um, and we've sung it, we've declared it, new life, fresh fire, new wine. The old season is over. It's so tempting when we're in a new season to keep looking back at what happened before. So the challenge really is simple. It's to turn, turn around from looking backwards and fix our eyes on Jesus and begin walking in step with him because he has new things. <laughs> He's got things ahead of us that's going to blow our minds. There are miracles. There are signs and wonders. There are breakthroughs. There are provisions. There are all kinds of things that he has right up ahead. Sometimes we don't recognize how close we are to a breakthrough. Sometimes it's just one or two more swipes of the blade cutting through those thorn bushes, and then you're going to see the light at the other side. So he has new life for us. I promise you, he has newness of life for us, each one of us. So surrender to his rule and his reign. I saw earlier this week in my, in my spirit, in my, when I had my eyes closed, I just saw this picture of a knighthood. A bunch of us, all of us, as knights, wearing full armor, kneeling down with our swords. Just kind of picture the typical imagery you would see of knights, you know, kneeling down, the knights of valor. But we were, we were kneeling down before King Jesus at his service. Just, I think that's what, one of the things that I felt was just a simple strong point that he was putting on my heart was to encourage us. We don't have to look to be wowed this morning or impressed with a special message. Just know that we are here to present ourselves to him at his service. Like, you are his son. You are his daughter. And that's where you find your rest and security and identity. But we get to serve him out of that place, out of that place of being a king and priest, as David reminds us every week. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, kings and priests. You are ministers. You don't go to Bible college to become a minister. You go to Bible college to get a degree because that shows how hard you studied and you passed all the tests. But that does not qualify you to minister. Jesus qualified you to minister when he saved you and put his spirit inside of you, that spirit of reconciliation. And we are all part of the priesthood. So, okay. We'll see how far we get. It's 12, 15-ish. How many of you are familiar with the musician, this will date me, but the music, musician Michael Card? 
Any of you? One of us. None of you Christians that have been around for believers for the last 60 years? Have... Okay. Well, maybe I'll, I'll send a YouTube clip of this song to, to you who are in that prayer, prayer team thread. I'm going to read the words of a song, and then we're going to dive into some 2 Corinthians. We're, what I want to do this morning with the, with the scriptures, we'll just kind of treat this as a, a spirit-led Bible study. Okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna bounce through four chapters of the Bible and just kind of talk a little bit about what we're reading. But this song speaks really deeply into, I feel like, what the heart of what God wants to highlight in his word today in those chapters. It's called, the song is called Present Reality. I'll send some of you guys a link so you can hear it for yourselves. So here goes the words and this is fitting for this room, echo, echo of history, a light so many strain to see, the one we talk so much about but rarely ever live it out. Could you tell me, wow, man, I get messed up when I read this. <laughs> Can, could you tell me why? Was it for this you came and died? A once-a-week observance when we coldly mouth your words? Lord, I long to see your presence in reality, but I don't know how. Let me know you in the now. We should confess we lose you in our busyness. We've made you in our image, so our faith's idolatry. Lord, deliver me. Break my heart so I can see all the ways you dwell in us, that you're alive in me. This morning, I believe the Holy Spirit wants each one of us to walk out of this place today with a new sense, a new awareness that Jesus Christ lives inside of you, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a vessel that God himself has come to dwell inside of. I may be doing some skipping around, so let's go ahead and put the first part. This is from, so bear with me. If you have your own Bible, you might as well close it. I use the Passion Translation. You can go back and you can write the references down. This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 5. So all praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out on us. And just as we experience the abundance of Christ's own sufferings, even more of God's comfort will cascade upon us through our union with Christ. And just leave those up there for a second. So I felt like in chapter one, we need to highlight who it is that lives in us. The God of all comfort. I highlighted it in the yellow there. He is the father of tender mercy, father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. He 
longs to come to us in our brokenness. And who of, this, of the us in this room don't ever deal with brokenness and trials? We all go through it. There's not one of us that get to escape trials. And God has a plan in every one of those trials. He doesn't send every one of those trials. You know, the devil likes to throw crap. Excuse my French. He likes to throw stuff right in front of your feet for you to trip over and get all tangled up in. But God tells us that he works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He can take the worst situation and bring a breakthrough, bring a miracle, and do something beautiful out of it. Just think of pregnancy. <laughs> I think I heard that somewhere. When, you're, when, when women are pregnant, they just get all big and uncomfortable and waddle everywhere. You know, I mean, Tammy, you know, <laughs> five times over. <laughs> but out comes this new life, this baby. And then you forget all about the pain if you, unless you had a pain-free childbirth. <laughs> so anyway, Yes, so we need to recognize who it is that lives inside of us. He is the God of comfort, and he wants to release his nature. He wants to infuse us. I always think of tea. When you throw the tea in the hot water in the cup, and it begins to infuse the whole cup. The Holy Spirit was given to each one of us to infuse us with the life of Jesus so that his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his comfort... Whatever he releases into you in every season, he can release it through you. So let's go on to verses 19 through 20 of chapter 1. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. He has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes for all. Say all. all. Warren, this is your chance just to see how I can get these guys to say anything I want them to say. No, no they won't do that. They're, they're, they're smarter than that. They're like, I'm only going to say it if it's biblical. All God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. That means if you are in Christ, you get to pull on every one of the promises of God and claim them as yours. We declared it this morning. Your name, your name is victory. He is the victorious king. He has conquered sin and death, and we step in and we pull on heaven and claim his victory, the conquering king and his victory for ourselves, for our lives, because our lives are hidden in Christ. So all of his promises. So we have the presence of God, and he's good, he's compassionate, he's kind, he wants to comfort. We have all of the promises of God right there before us to lay claim of at any, at any moment, of any situation. There is an answer for everything we face. So let's look at verses 21 to 22. This is going to be the longest one. Chapter 1 is just packed full of good stuff. So now, it is God himself who has anointed us why don't you look to the neighbor next to you and say, you are anointed. <laughs> he has anointed us. You know what anointed means? It means he smeared. 
you. Anointed means to smear. Just like when mama puts a little bit of salve or that neosporin on your cut and then puts a band-aid and kisses, you know, it's going to be better. He, he anointed, he smeared you, he covered you. He put a generous helping of the Holy Spirit right over your life, marking you as his. It is God himself who has anointed us, and he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his since he has also stamped his seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of the blessings to come. You have received Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you. If the Spirit of Christ does not live in you, Romans 8 tells us, you don't belong to Christ. If you don't have him living in you, you don't belong to him, okay? So it's important. That's why that message has gone out over the decades in churches. Ask Jesus into your heart. Pray that prayer. Raise your hand. Come up to the altar. Ask him in. Jesus come to stay. Jesus never go away. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm being goofy. Tammy's like, are you okay? Talking like my grandfather. It is true. We need to receive him because the Bible says to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave that exousia, that authority to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, of a husband's choosing or a wife's choosing, but born of God. So that's John 1.12. You have the right, you have the authority to become when you receive Jesus. So God is up to something. When he comes to live inside of you, he has a plan in mind. I kind of jotted it down in my notes here somewhere. He's like the fixer-upper. How many of you are HGTV fans? Fixer-upper, yeah, flipper-flop. Okay, this is not an episode of flipper-flop. When he saved you, he set his sights on you, not just to do a fixer-upper, but to do a complete renovation. We're talking gutting out those secret rooms inside of us, gutting those dead places, because the Bible says you have been crucified with Christ, therefore you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. So if you are dead and Christ is living in you, then there's dead stuff that just has to get gutted out, because we have this habit, like cats, of playing with dead things. Just like to toss that dead mouse in the air and watch it do cartwheels. Maybe they're trying to reanimate it or something. I don't know what they're doing. We have habits that God wants to help us break, and he wants to gut those things out. But he is the fixer-upper. He has new life for us. So, let's see. Chapter 2. Just one portion for chapter 2. We're going to make it. I'm going to declare it now. God always makes his grace visible in Christ. If you need grace, look at Jesus. Look into his eyes. We were singing that, that was kind of a spontaneous thing. Look at his eyes. Look at his smile. He loves us. God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. God has a plan 
It's called endless triumph. There's no plan B. I mean, he's got many ways to get you there, but he's got one plan in mind, endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, he spreads through us. You might not even realize when you're standing in the grocery store line that you are releasing the fragrance of Christ. You might have even given somebody that dirty look in the car on the way to the grocery store. That doesn't change who you are. Yeah, it's not a good attitude. It's not a good expression for the vessel of the Holy Spirit to be making out in the public or anywhere. But the reality is he lives inside of you. He has infused you with his life. And when you're just standing in a room, when you just walk into the post office, you release the presence of God. You might wonder sometimes why people look at you kind of weird. They're like, why do they have that goofy grin on their face or whatever? You know? Why do they have such peace? You know, the Bible tells us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. We, care, we are hope dealers. We carry hope. Hope dealers. I like that. It could be a good title for an album or something. Hope dealers. Yo. So, through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God. Now, it goes on and it says, to some it's the smell of life and to others it's the smell of death. But the fact is, you are an air freshener. I won't ask you to say it, but you could if you want. Turn to someone and say, you're an air freshener. So, let's go on. Chapter 3. We're going to bust through this. I can do it. Chapter 3, verse 18. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. Whatever that veil is that you feel like separates you from the presence of God, that veil through the cross has been torn in two. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God is going to do a reno job on your life. He is going to take you from one remodel to the next, and if you mismeasure and it looks weird, he can redo that room too. He is set on changing us from one level of glory to the next into the likeness of Jesus. If you're not sure about that, you know, God's plan wasn't just to get you to heaven. It was to get heaven into you and to change you into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus, I'm running out of oxygen up here. To change you into the image of Jesus. If that sounds weird, that God would want you to be like Christ in the earth, well, that's why we're called Christians. We're little, like little Christs. Now, you're not God. I'm going to say that very loud and clear. You are not deity. But if you're a Christian, the deity lives inside of you. And he has become one with your spirit causing you to be born again. Okay, so he's got his heart, his focus is set on transforming us. 
and we get to partner with him. We get to transform this thing up here that sits between your ears where a lot of stinking thinking happens, and he wants to exchange the thoughts that are actually lies and replace them with truth. So hopefully that's happening this morning as we're reading the Word of God because the Word of God sanctifies us. It changes us. It's sharper than a surgeon's scalpel, sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts and divides spirit from soul, joint from marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. I wish I could just make you say it, but I don't want to keep doing that to you. The Word of God is powerful. Okay. And we're going to finish this because we're going to go to chapter 4 now. Final. Final thought. So we we learned in chapter 1 the nature of God. He's kind. He's good. He's gentle. And he wants to come and dwell inside of us. Okay. Chapter 2. There was something in there. We carry the fragrance of Christ. We stand in his victory. All of his promises are yes and amen. So we've got the promises of God. We've got the anointing and the infilling of the Holy Spirit to help us get the job done. So we know who he is inside of us. We know who we are now that we are in Christ. We know that there's a job that he wants to do in us. Chapter 3, we talked about it's that transformation from glory to glory. Chapter 4, hopefully this will bring some comfort to all of us. Because we all go through the stuff. And I know many of us are going through stuff. I'm a part of the prayer text group thing. So I know there's all, if it's not you personally, you know somebody else is going through stuff. We are like, this is chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. You can say it to yourself, I'm not crushed. <laughs> Don't, I'm not really trying to overdo it with a say something, but you can if you want. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. I'm going to say it. Quitting is not an option. I was going to add a little adjective to that, but quitting is not an option. I'm not going to quit. I've come too far. My life is too short. I'm going forward. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are the apple of his eye. He is madly in love with you. We may be knocked down, but not out. No TKO, no total knockout. You might get knocked down on your butt, and he's going to pick you right back up. All the more reason why the body of Christ is so important to each one of us, that the fellowship, the family of believers, is something that we spend time investing in because we lift each other up we strengthen one another God is establishing that in this place we're still in those early days where we're forming and we're we're making space to spend time to one with one another to encourage each other we continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies 
so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So there's death at work inside of us. It's the power of the cross, the power of the crucifixion, where Jesus said that he went to the cross before us, buried our sins in his body on the tree, where we are united with him in his death and burial and resurrection. That death, that power of the cross is at work in us, putting to death. It's giving us the power and the, and the revelation of who God is and who we are and what needs to be put to death, what needs to go. You don't need a list by someone and say, here, just follow these rules and you'll be fine. No, you need a partner with the Holy Spirit. You, we need to learn how to have a relationship with him so that we can hear his voice, not walk around in condemnation and shame and guilt, but walk upright before him and say, here's my heart. Go ahead and point out anything that needs to be worked on. And I promise you, he's not going to overwhelm you with too much. He's a gentle renovator. He's a good fixer-upper. Yeah, he does it right. We might mess up a little bit when we get too excited. But he's good. God is good. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. There's one more part of that. Go ahead and put it up there. We're going to read it. So no wonder we don't give up, for even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being, not being like a coffee bean, our inner being is renewed every single day. You can guarantee the word of God is true. It's yes and it's amen. That is a promise from God. Your inner person is being renewed every day. He is set on newness. He is set on his life flowing into you. You have been born again. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen but what, on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Stuff going on around you right now in your life, the stuff we're facing, it's temporary. This is not eternity. That would be hell. This is not forever. We get to bring heaven into our now. Thank God. We get heaven now. It's a now and later. You get it now and you get it fully later. But this is not forever. So we set our sights on what is forever. We set our eyes on what is unseen, not this temporary stuff. We press forward. We run at our Goliaths. We knock through those walls of opposition. We have powerful tools. We have a family that we've been set in. We have the Holy Spirit's power living inside of us. We have the help of angels. Believe it or not, angelic forces are working on our behalf. Let's celebrate. Life is good. There is good stuff ahead. Whenever I say good stuff, I always think of Sharon. I'm like, do you say that a lot? This is good stuff. It's good stuff, yeah. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's do this. Don't close it all out, Isabel. We're going to read it. We're going to close this out by reading some declarations. We haven't done it in a few weeks. I didn't want you guys to think, oh, that was just one of those short-lived things. 
You have a voice, and the Bible tells us that there is power in your tongue. The power of life and death is in your tongue, in your words. Words are very important. God spoke, and life was created out of nothing. Even if you don't believe it when you're saying it, say it louder. If you don't believe it, say it louder. Declare it. Doing this, that's not declaring it. Declare it. Jesus did not think his way out of the wilderness. Hmm. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word. No. Jesus, Jesus declared the written word of God. It is written. Every time the devil put his ugly face in front of him and said, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm goofy. Forgive me. Unless you like it, then I'll keep doing it. I love you too. Okay, we're going to make some declarations, but after we do this, we will make room up in the front here if you want prayer. If you want prayer or need prayer for healing, If you just want encouragement, you just want an impartation of the life of God, we can give that away. If you got it, you can give it away. Freely you've received, freely give. So we'll make room up front for that. Otherwise, we'll fellowship. But let's make some declarations. You guys ready? Okay. I promise they're good. Ready? One, two, three. I set the course of my life with my words. God is on my side. Therefore, I declare that I cannot be defeated. I am the head, not the tail. I have insight. I have wisdom. I have ideas and divine strategies. I have authority. My family and those connected to us are protected from disasters, disease, divorce, adultery, poverty, false accusation, foolish decisions, and all accidents. As Abraham did, I speak God's promises over my life so that my faith is strengthened to possess all of God's promises. I have a sound mind. I think the right thought, say the right words. I make the right decisions in every situation I face. I expect to have powerful, divine appointments every day to heal the sick, raise the dead, prophesy life, lead people to Christ, bring deliverance, release signs and wonders, and bless every place I go. I expect that today will be the best day of my life, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and financially, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.